As created beings, God made us. He uh, formed us and fashioned us, us, as Scripture says, as, as the pinnacle of His creation. He made us in His image. We are, you and I, are His image bearers. Nothing else in all creation uh, bears that illustrious title. We bear uh, His image, the very image of God. Now, of course, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so He is perfect in community. Um, There is a sense in which um, God did not... Not a sense in which. There is a very real truth that God did not create us uh, in a sort of um, need for relationship. He wasn't up wherever He was sad because he didn't have anyone to talk to he uh he made uh, he was perfect he was father son and holy spirit he was completely whole the reason that he created the reason he made us was for his own glory and so because we were made in his image we also were created to give him glory we were made to worship and worship has a a very must have a very vertical element uh, to it Worship must be uh, vertical. We were made to worship. Of course, you may know uh, that worship uh, means to ascribe worth, to to declare worth to something. Uh, now, when we are worshiping God and we're ascribing worth to God, we're not telling God something He doesn't know. And He's not some sort of celestial egomaniac who uh, who needs or or desires our our worship it is it, but it is good and right because he is god that we are to offer our worship we are in a sense emptying our pockets the pockets of our heart and we are setting ourselves right so that we uh, can be filled with him all these things we carry in he that he takes unto himself now worship may be sort of ecstatic or, or not we can have our hands up or or not, if you're a good Episcopalian, or in your pockets. <laughs> what matters for us is the verticality of our heart, because we were made uh, to worship. Uh, we have uh, a need uh, to worship. I think you are needed by me. Um, but what we see in Exodus 32 is that um, is what happens. To this need for worship for which we were created, what happens for this, to this need for worship for fallen people? Now, I don't know about you, but, but it's this passage in Exodus 32 is a little shocking to me sometimes. Uh, because, um, I mean, the, the people of Israel, they, had, they were crying out to the Lord. They were enslaved in in Egypt and they were crying out to the Lord and the Lord told Moses, I have heard their cry and I have come down to rescue them. And so they were crying out to the Lord and the Lord showed up and He brought Moses and He brought these ten awful plagues and yet delivered the people from 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 the judgment of those plagues. And then He brought the people out of Egypt uh, not with empty pockets, but actually all, people in Egypt, by the Holy Spirit, just 
had this need and desire to give them all their gold and jewels. And so they, they, they came out with their, their pockets full and their carts, uh, their, their carts were full of sort of luggage, you know, all the, the gold and everything and all the things for, um, from Egypt. Their livestock was, was rich. And then, against all hope, as, as Pharaoh changed his mind, he's barreling down on the, on the, uh, the people of Israel at, at the banks of the Red Sea. God uh, puts himself between the people and certain death. And he opens the Red Sea. This, I mean, miraculous, incredible. And they walk across on dry ground. And then once they get across, the waters close up over, over the Egyptians. And they sing the praises of the Lord. And then after a couple of days, though, you know, they get hungry. And God provides miraculous bread, manna in the desert. And then they get thirsty and He provides water out of a rock. In, the, in episode after episode, these people have seen the faithfulness of God. And then Moses goes up on the mountain with God for a little bit, just a couple of days. And they're like, well, we don't know what happened to him. We just got to, I guess that's that. And they, they put a couple of earrings in the fire and, and Aaron, the brother of Moses, makes... A golden calf. They form this image and they have the nerve, the audacity to say, behold your God who brought you up out of Egypt. It is shocking to me that in the face of the faithfulness of God that they would turn their backs so quickly. It's shocking. Until I realize how close that sort of hits home. They have a need to worship. Just like we have a need to worship. They, they want, they desire something beautiful. Something uh, transcendent. Something so much bigger than themselves. And, and it's something that they can put their trust in. And yet, you know, there's this, there's this deep sort of innate uncertainty about who God is and and what the nature of their relationship to him is and there's this sort of inherited uh, inherent um, mistrust despite the fact that God has been faithful that maybe he's not going to be faithful this time over and over again that's the story of my life I've seen God's faithfulness many, many times, and yet I, I want to rely on things I can touch and put my hands on and relationships that I can maybe control a little bit. I have lots of golden calves. My guess is that uh, you do too. And they, uh, so they formed this golden calf and they worshipped it. And so what happens is they're spiritually, they're right back where they were in Egypt. Lost and confused and, and enslaved, but this time so much more spiritually. Um, of course, we've had a lot of uh, historical remembrance lately. Fifty years ago, the uh, bombing of the 16th Street uh, Baptist Church, and just a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, the, the 50th anniversary of the, the March on Washington. And I had the the, the privilege um, just a couple of weeks ago of um, at that anniversary of, of speaking to um, a, a group of, of homeless folks, a service um, predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly homeless folks. And, and I, um, uh, 
appropriately, that uh, that group, they sang some sort of African-American uh, spiritual hymns, and one of them I had not heard before. Uh, it was called uh, Butte and Scorned. Maybe you've heard that. And um, it, it is... Uh, it's the the lyrics are really moving. It says, I, "I've been buked and I've been scorned. I've been buked. Well, you know, like rebuked. I've been buked and and I've been scorned. Children, I've been buked and I've been scorned. Trying to make this journey all alone. This sort of journey, sense of a journey, but sort of this aloneness, this helplessness, this um, me against the world. And 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 then the next verse says, "You may talk about me, sure as you please." You may talk about me, sure as you please. Children, talk about me, sure as you please. You, you talk, but your talk will never drive me down to my knees. This, this, you know what happens when you uh, suffer for a long period of time, or you're you're going on this this long journey is um, is this, you try to protect your heart. You don't want it to be broken again, and so you hide it. And and in this sort of stubbornness. Comes in. Do you know that stubbornness? Somebody you know, I know, and knows that stubbornness. Um, and um, and 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 it really is just out of fear of being heartbroken. You you make sure that your heart is unbreakable, and it becomes as C.S. Lewis says, impenetrable. And yet the next verse, the third verse, you know, Jesus Jesus breaks into that that hardened heart, and it says, Jesus died to set me free. Jesus died to set me free. Children. Jesus died to set me free, nailed to that cross on Calvary. And this sort of height of, you know, I've been rebuked and scorned. I, I've, I've hardened my heart, this stubbornness. But Jesus broke through that locked door of my heart. And, and he, is, he died to set me free. In the, the last verse, I've been rebuked and I've been scorned. I've been rebuked and I've been scorned. Trying to make this journey. All alone. After after Jesus goes right back to where they were before that. And I don't know. I mean, it may be probably artistic and, and, and moving. And I don't mean to criticize the, the song. I'm sure it has meant a lot to a lot of people. But, but it just struck me as such a typical pattern of not just the Israelites, but of my own life. That, and in the face of God's faithfulness, despite what is true about me in Christ, they go right back to my old idols, my old ways, my old... Anger and my old um, just temperament, my own my own old Joeness. What we see in the face of uh, the people's idolatry is Moses interceding on behalf of the people, God's one chosen man, coming before the people of God and the wrath of God. And because of his intercessions, God relents. He says he changes his mind. Which is not to say that their sin didn't matter. Or that his judgment of their sin was would not have been just. Or even that God thought better of it and decided not to judge their sin at all. But their sin would come later one day. What we see is that the resolution that is left at this passage where God just kind of shrugs and says, well, okay, if you say so, Moses, I won't. Which is kind of odd to us, isn't it? And the fact that they are their sin has been left unjudged, we find the resolution. What is God going to do about this? 
We find the resolution in our gospel text. Where there is a sheep who cannot find itself, who has wandered uh, from its flock and is lost. And the good shepherd goes after the sheep and picks it up and carries it and brings it home rejoicing. Or the, the coin who cannot call out for help itself and cannot find itself, but has to rely on the efforts of the woman looking for it. God's resolution to our sin problem is that He came looking for us when we could not find ourselves. When our will for ourselves was to find ourselves back in Egypt, what God, what God did is He came looking for us. And He sent His own Son, Jesus. And He took all of our um, re- spiritual redundancy, all of our going back uh, to, the, to where we were before uh, upon Himself on the, on the cross. So that we might live in Him. What is true about us is that Jesus died to set us free. And no matter how we return uh, to, um, to our old ways, I mean, I hope we don't. I hope over a time of walking with Christ that we can see uh, progress, we can see change, the, the fruits of the Spirit. And yet, thanks be to God, we're not saved by our progress, but by His will, by His mercy. By His saving grace. It is all the work of Christ that we find a resolution for our idolatry, for our returning to our own sin. And for that, we say thanks be to God. Amen.